From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. A growing amount of evidence is suggesting that vaping products are associated with a severe and in some cases deadly lung disease. Several hundred patients from a few dozen states have been reported to have possible cases of pulmonary illnesses related to electronic cigarettes, and the experts at the Upstate New York Poison Center have been fielding lots of questions regarding vaping lately. With me in the HealthLink on Air studio is toxicologist and doctor of pharmacy Willie Eggleston from the Upstate New York Poison Center. Thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Now, I read that a patient in Oregon died after vaping. This was a person that was described as having suddenly appeared without any other underlying health conditions and became ill enough to die from the syndrome. So, I mean, what is going on with this? What do we know about? Yeah, and he's not the only one. As of uh, the most recent reporting, the CDC has confirmed six deaths related to vaping. And his story really kind of fits the story of these other patients who are presenting uh, with this lung illness. They are otherwise healthy. They are not known to have any other clear risk factors or reasons to develop this lung injury. Uh, They've ruled out things like viruses, like infections, and really the only commonality that's left between these patients is that they were all using vaping products. Were they smokers before that, or is is vaping just a new thing for them, or is it a mix? So we don't have a lot of details yet from the CDC as far as the demographics on these cases. So all we know is that the commonality is vaping. They have indicated that there's not one clear product. So when you look at the type of product that these individuals are using, they're not all using the same product. Uh, They have a variety of different components in them. Uh, But the one interesting commonality is that it does seem that most of these cases are using vaping products containing THC or the active component in marijuana uh, rather than just nicotine, Uh, although that is still preliminary evidence at this point. And are the age range of the patients, are we seeing young and old? Or? So we're seeing mostly uh, patients in their teens and 20s, uh, but certainly the disease is not necessarily discriminating among that population. That's just the population where vaping is the most common uh, based on the statistics that we have. We'll likely know a lot more about these cases as the CDC continues to report its data. Uh, they have already decreased their number of cases. They're down to, uh, they indicate 380 probable cases uh, that they're still working on confirming, Uh, but they have put out guidance to the public and to public health officials to say, here's what to look for when you suspect you have a case of vaping-related lung injury. Uh, So they've actually laid out guidance to help health professionals rule out other potential causes and to provide them with resources to properly identify these cases. So what are the symptoms? So the symptoms that patients are describing are really this sudden onset of difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, uh, and that is due to this acute process that's taking place in their lungs. We don't fully understand what the injury is, uh, but what appears to be happening is there is damage to the lung tissue, and that damage to the lung tissue is preventing normal air exchange in the lungs. So generally when we breathe in, we like the oxygen that we breathe in to go into our blood and the carbon dioxide that's in our blood to come out so we can exhale that. And in these patients, uh, their lungs are not working in the way that they should and they're not able to exchange that air. Uh, Whether or not this will have long-term implications for these patients, like long-term airway disease, we still don't know because it's such a new uh, phenomenon. So this um, difficulty breathing or shortness of breath 
does it is it happening when they're vaping all of a sudden they suddenly have trouble breathing or is it later that night or the next day so we don't have enough details to really say when exactly it occurs with vaping like you're using the product and all of a sudden it happens based on the limited information that we have it doesn't seem to be something that happens necessarily while you're vaping it's it's a injury that occurs due to the vaping process. And so you don't necessarily have to be using a vaping product in that moment to develop the shortness of breath. You could develop it hours or days later uh, and end up in the ICU. So um, shortness of breath really anytime needs to sort of be explained or figured out what's causing it. Oh, absolutely. Regardless of, of what's causing shortness of breath, if you're ever short of breath, and you're having difficulty with breathing, that's a that's an emergency. That's a let's call 911 and get you to an emergency department and get you taken care of. So what happens to these sorts of patients when they get to the emergency department? Sure. What do they do for the assessment? So once patients arrive in the emergency department, there is an extensive workup to rule out other common causes. Because one of the problems that happens when we have these public health crises is that we sometimes forget to think about all the other reasons why someone can have this difficulty breathing and uh, kind of decide it must be vaping, right? And there are certainly cases where it will be, but we still encourage healthcare uh, professionals to do their normal workup they would do for these patients, rule out viruses, rule out infections, get imaging to see what does the damage actually look like, And once we've ruled out things like infection, like allergic causes, and there is no other clear indication, uh, then the answer, if it is someone who is using a vaping product, might be vaping. And so that's uh, a question that I think is important to ask when you have an otherwise healthy teenager, healthy person in their 20s coming in with shortness of breath while you're doing that workup. I think asking them, hey, do you use a vaping product? And if so, um, can we get our hands on it because the Department of Health, at least in New York State right now, is very interested in testing these products and seeing exactly what's in them to try and help the investigation and figure out if we can find a commonality. Do the Does the damage in the lungs show up like on a, an x-ray or a CT scan? So it will show up on a CT scan. Uh, so there is a consistent, it's described uh, at least in the media as what's called ground glass opacities is the kind of funky medical term for it. Uh, so if you think about like what glass would look like if you grind it up into tiny pieces, that's kind of what parts of the lung look like on CT scan uh, with uh, this vaping injury. Now, is that something that just happens with vaping? No, absolutely not. But it is one commonality that they are noting between the cases. Let me ask you about the treatment for someone who comes in and, and the doctor sort of diagnoses this lung damage. What what sort of treatment is offered? So at the moment, treatment is mostly just finding ways to support that person's breathing. So when someone is having difficulty breathing, we have different stages or levels of treatment we can provide them in the hospital. We can give them oxygen. We can give them oxygen with some pressure to help that oxygen get into the lung. Or we can put a tube down into uh, their throat and breathe for them. And so a lot of these patients who are presenting with severe symptoms, who are having difficulty breathing, are ending up intubated with the tube in the throat uh, in the ICU uh, with a machine that breathes for them until their lungs have an opportunity to heal. There are some other medications that, that people are attempting and looking at to try and see, can we maybe stop this uh, damage process, this inflammation process? Uh, but there's really not enough uh, evidence to say whether one works better than the other. 
let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Willie Eggleston from the Upstate New York Poison Center. He's a toxicologist and doctor of pharmacy, and he's also a clinical assistant professor in the School of Pharmacy at Binghamton University. Um, how do public health officials go about trying to solve this? Because you mentioned the CDC, and I know they've activated an emergency operations center in response to this. So what is that and how does it work? So responding to these really is a team effort and it takes a lot of different pieces working at once. So part of responding to these is creating a clear definition that will allow people to identify potential cases. Uh, because one of the biggest difficulties, like I said, is, is to really hone in on, I have this case of a patient who is short of breath, who might have this lung injury, how do I decide if it's from vaping or not? So the CDC has provided uh, on their website clear information to healthcare professionals exactly what steps they need to take to rule out other potential causes and to get to the conclusion that, yeah, we do think that this is a vaping-associated lung injury. So that definition has been provided. It's certainly a working definition. As more information comes in, it may get updated. The other pieces of this, too, are figuring out what exactly is going on, right? So in addition to identifying cases, we would also like to figure out why these cases are happening in the first place. Uh, so public health officials are working closely with state departments of health to make sure that they, if they are able to, are obtaining product in these cases and testing that product and looking for contaminants, commonalities, uh, to try and see is this uh something that can be tied to one or two substances, or is this just something that is going to remain an unknown? And then the last part is resources. So you have patients showing up who are very sick and who need healthcare and treatment. And so making sure that hospitals are prepared with the resources that they need to provide care to these patients uh, is really important. And that's all from the healthcare facing side. From the public facing side, we are working to ensure from the Upstate New York Poison Center that we're educating the public. So we've put out a informational video for parents and for teens to let them know what these products are, what some of the risks are, and the CDC and other health departments are doing the same thing. They're making sure that the public is aware of what these risks are and doing their best to uh, make people understand that using these products is not necessarily safe. Is anyone saying that people should just stop vaping? Oh, certainly. So um, we are continuing to advocate that if uh, someone is vaping and they have never smoked before, they just started vaping, that's not a safe thing, right? So I think one of the, the misconceptions about these products is that because there is this idea that if you're smoking cigarettes, vaping might be a little bit of a healthier alternative, that that is a good step for someone who's smoking cigarettes to take on the road to quitting the product. That does not mean if you are a 16-year-old and you've never smoked anything in your life that it's then safe to start vaping, right? These things still have nicotine in them. They're still addictive. And as we are now finding out, there's a lot of other chemicals in there that are potentially harmful. And so the CDC has come out and said, hey, this is a dangerous time. We don't yet understand what's going on. Our advice is just across the board, don't use vape products right now because we need to get more answers before we feel okay uh, saying that people are able to use these. So there's also proposals um, to ban flavors or flavored e-cigarettes or the, the va flavors that go into the vaping devices. 
So there have been proposals in a few states. New York State, as of uh, very recently, was the first state to take this up. Uh, so the uh, Health Commission did vote to ban flavored e-cigarettes in New York State. Uh, so they would allow the sale of nicotine or uh, tobacco uh, and menthol flavored devices, but all other flavored devices are now considered illegal in New York State. And uh, the industry has two weeks to comply. So as of October 4th, uh, there should be no more flavored e-cigarettes in New York State. Now, the vaping industry has indicated that a legal challenge may be in the works, so that is obviously something that could change the dates in flux, but um, New York State, as of very recently, was the first state to take legislative action on this. Now, that's aimed at uh, reducing the number of young people starting vaping. Not It's not aimed to the lung disease. It's... Exactly. So uh, we know that there are a number of flavors out there like bubblegum and cotton candy and mango and raspberry. And certainly there are probably some adults that like the flavored products. But when you start selling products that have flavors that are clearly geared towards teens, uh, that's a problem. And we know that these uh, products are addictive. We know that the nicotine can impact brain development if individuals start using them in their teens and early 20s. And so the ban on flavored cigarettes is really not doing anything uh, to reduce the incidence of lung injury. We don't think the flavor is causing the lung injury, uh, but that's really geared towards let's see if we can get young people to stop vaping. Because at least in New York State, our most recent data suggests that about 27% of high school students indicate that they are vaping. And that is a huge number and should certainly be a public health concern. Can you talk about the difference between how these vaping devices work compared with how cigarettes work? Sure. So vaping devices are a little bit different than cigarettes. Cigarettes contain nicotine. Vaping devices contain nicotine. So that is a similarity. Uh, in that regard, uh, the risk is the same. Where they are different is that nicotine or in cigarettes is delivered to the lungs by what's called combustion, right? So you light the product there, it heats up, it burns and the nicotine is delivered via smoke. That includes a number of carcinogens, which is why we know that uh, smoking cigarettes is related to uh, causing long-term difficulties with breathing, lung cancer, etc. We know that risk is there. With vaping products, they take the nicotine and they put it into a solution, like a water and oil solution. And that solution is then rapidly heated and it produces a vapor, like you would boil water and you would get vapor coming off the top of that boiling water, it's the same concept. So you inhale the vapor uh, into the lungs and that's the vehicle that delivers the nicotine. Now where we have some misconceptions with that is that people say, okay, it's vapor. And the first vapor they think of is water vapor and water vapor is pretty darn harmless. And so they have this perception that the product is harmless. And we certainly wanna clarify that while vaping may be a safer alternative to smoking, although the research is still out on that, Vaping on its own is not a safe endeavor. The chemicals are still in the vapor. Oh, absolutely. So there so. are a number of chemicals in these products um, that in other areas of industry have been linked to lung disease. And so whether or not they are going to contribute to or cause lung disease when people use them as a vaping product, we just don't know. Right? We don't have enough information yet. We haven't had e-cigarettes around long enough to know what are the long-term consequences of these. So when people say, hey, these are safe, well, it's not that we know that they're safe. It's just that we don't have enough information yet to know how dangerous they potentially could be. So, but the lungs as, as an organ and how they function, these chemicals come in 
the, the lungs aren't set up to filter them in any way, right? No, so the chemicals themselves, um, including uh, chemicals like diacetyl, as well as microparticles, so there are kind of tiny microscopic particles that are in these uh, products. Uh, those, the chemicals themselves can get in and potentially cause lung damage. The particles can potentially get in the lungs and remain in the lungs for periods of time. And what that means for lung injury, we still don't know. Uh, so to argue that these are completely a safe product is uh, not an argument that we have enough evidence to back up. Well, this has been very informative. Thank you to Dr. Willie Eggleston from the Upstate New York Poison Center. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.